0: Section 01 of the Seven Follies of Science. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Thomas McKinney. The Seven Follies of Science by John Finn. Section 01. Introductory note. The difficult, the dangerous, and the impossible have always had a strange fascination on the human mind. We see this every day in the acts of boys who risk life and limb in the performance of useless but dangerous feats, and amongst children of larger growth we find loop the loopers bridge-jumpers, and all sorts of venture-seekers to whom much of the attraction of these performances is undoubtedly the mere risk that is involved, although, perhaps to some extent, notoriety and money-making may contribute their share. Many of our readers will doubtless remember the words of James Fitzjames in The Lady of the Lake or, if a path be dangerous known, the danger's self is lower alone. And in commenting on the old-time game laws of England, Froude the historian says, although the forest laws were terrible, they served only to enhance the excitement of danger. That which is true of physical dangers holds equally true in regard to intellectual difficulties. Professor de Morgan tells us, in his Budget of Paradoxes, that he once gave a lecture on squaring the circle and that a gentleman who was introduced to it by what he said re- remarked loud enough to be heard all around. only prove to me that it is impossible and i will set about it this very evening therefore it is not to be wondered at that certain very difficult or perhaps impossible problems have in all ages had a powerful fascination for certain minds in that curious old prodrita of fact and fiction the curiosities of literature, D.T. Israeli gives a list of six of these problems which he calls the six follies of science. I do not know whether the phrase follies of science originated with him or not, but he enumerates the quadrature of the circle, the duplication, or as he calls it, the multiplication of the cube, the perpetual motion, the philosophical stone, magic, and judicial astrology as those known to him. This list, however, has no classical standing such as pertains to the Seven Wonders of the World, the Seven Wise Men of Greece, the Seven Champions of Christendom, and others. There are some well-known follies that are omitted, while some authorities would peremptorily reject magic and judicial astrology as being attempts at fraud rather than earnest efforts to discover and utilize the secrets of nature. The generally accepted list is as follows. 1 the quadrature of the circle, or, as it is called in the vernacular, squaring the circle. 2. The duplication of the cube. 3. The trisection of an angle. 4. Perpetual motion. 5. The transmutation of metals. 6. The fixation of mercury. 7. The elixir of life. The transmutation of the metals... The fixture of Mercury and the elixir of life might perhaps be properly classed as one. Under the head of the philosopher's stone and then astrology and magic might come in to make up the mystic number seven. The expression follies of science does not seem a very appropriate one. Real science has no follies. Neither can these vain attempts be called scientific follies because their very essence is that they are unscientific each one is really a veritable will-o'-wisp of unscientific thinkers and there are many more of them than those that we have here named but the expression has been adopted in literature and it is just as well to accept it those on the list that we have given are the ones that have become famous in history and they are still engaged the attention of a certain class of minds it is only a few months since a man who claims to be a professional architect and technical writer put forth an alleged method of squaring the circle, which he claims to be exact, and the result of an attempt to make liquid air a pathway to perpetual motion are still evidence as a minus quantity in the pockets of many who believe that all things are possible to modern science. And indeed it is this false idea of the possibility of the impossible that leads astray the followers of these false lights. Inventive science has accomplished so much many of her achievements. Being so astounding that they would certainly have seemed miracles to the most intelligent man of a few generations ago, that the ordinary mind cannot see the difference between unknown possibilities and the things which well established science pronounces to be impossible, because they contradict fundamental laws which are thoroughly established and well understood. Thus any one who would claim that he could make a plane triangle in which the three angles would measure more than two right angles would show by this very claim that he was entirely ignorant of the first principles of geometry. The same would be true of the man who would claim that he could give, in exact figures, the diagonal of a square of which the side is exactly one foot or one yard. And it is also true of the man who claims that he can give the exact area of a circle of which either the circumference or the diameter is known with precision, that they cannot both be known exactly is very well understood by all who have studied the subject but that the area, the circumference, and the diameter of a circle may all be known with an exactitude which is far in excess of anything of which the human mind can form the least conception is quite true, as we shall show when we come to consider the subject in its proper place. These problems are not only interesting historically, but they are valuable as illustrating the vagaries of the human mind and the difficulties with which the early investigators had to contend. They also show us the barriers over which we cannot pass, and they enforce the immutable character of the natural laws which govern the world around us. We hear much of the progress of science and of the changes which this progress has brought about, but these changes never affect the fundamental facts and principles upon which all true science is based. Theories and explanations and even practical applications change or pass away, so that we know them no more, but nature remains the same throughout the ages. No new theory of electricity can ever take from the voltaic battery its power, or change it in any respect, and no new discovery in regard to the constitution of matter can ever lessen the eagerness with which carbon and oxygen combine together. Every little while we hear some discovery that is going to upset all our preconceived notions and entirely change those laws which long experience has proved to be invariable. But in every case... These alleged discoveries have turned out to be fallacies. For example, the wonderful properties of radium have led some enthusiasts to adopt the idea that many of our old notions about the conservation of energy must be abandoned, but when all the facts are carefully examined, it is found that there is no rational basis for such views. Upon this point, Sir Oliver Lodge says,
1: There are absolutely no ground for the popular and gratuitous surmise that radium emits energy without loss or waste of any kind and that it is competent to go on forever the idea at one time irresponsibly muted that it con- contradicted the principle of the conservation of energy and was troubling physicists with the idea that they must overhaul their theories a thing which they ought always to be delighted to do on Good evidence this idea was a gratuitous absurdity, and never had the slightest foundation. It is reasonable to suppose, however, that radium and other like substances are drawn upon their own stores of internal atomic energy, and thereby gradually disintegrating and falling into other and ultimately more stable forms of matter.
0: One would naturally suppose that the extensive diffusion of sound scientific knowledge, which has taken place during the century just past, would have placed these problems amongst the number of past ages. But it seems that some of them, particularly the squaring of the circle in perpetual motion, still occupy considerable space in the attention of the world, and even the futile chase after the elixir of life has not been entirely abandoned indeed certain professors who occupy prominent official positions assert that they have made great progress in its attainment in view of such facts one is almost driven to accept the humorous explanation which de morgan has offered and which he bases on an old legend relating to the famous wizard michael scott the generally accepted tradition as related by sir walter scott in his notes to the lay of the last minstrel is as
1: follows Michael Scott was once upon a time much embarrassed by a spirit for whom he was never the necessity of finding constant employment. He commanded him to build a cauld, or dam, head across the Tweed at Kelso. It was accomplished in one night, and still does honor to the infernal architect. Michael next ordered that Eldon Hill, which... Was then a uniform cone, should be divided into three. Another night was sufficient to part its summit into the three picturesque peaks which now it bears. At length, the enchanter conquered this indefigable demon by employing him in the hopeless task of making ropes out of sea sand. Whereupon De Morgan
0: offers the following exceedingly interesting continuation of the legend
1: the recorded story is that michael scott being bound by contract to procure perpetual employment for a number of young demons was worried out of his life in inventing jobs for them until at last he set them to make ropes out of sea sand which they never could do we have obtained a very curious correspondence between the wizard michael and his demon slaves but we do not feel at liberty to say how it came into our hands. We much regret that we did not receive it in time for the British Association. It appears that the story, true or far as it goes, was never finished. The demons easily conquered the rope difficulty by simple process of making the sand into glass and spinning the glass into thread, which they twisted michael thoroughly disconcerted hit upon the plan of setting some to square the circle others to find perpetual motion etc he commanded each of them to transmigrate from one human body into another until their tasks were done this explains the
0: whole succession of cyclometers and all the heroes of the budget some of this correspondence is very recent it is much bloated and we are not quite sure of its meaning. It is full of figurative allusions to driving something ineligible down a steep into the sea. It looks like a horrible petition to be allowed some diversion in the intervals of transmigration, and the answer is Rumpart et Serpens Iter Institutum, a line of Horace, which the demons interpreted as a direction to come athwart the proceedings of the Institute by a sly trick. And really, those who have followed carefully the history of the men who have claimed that they had solved these famous problems will be almost inclined to accept De Morgan's ingenuous explanation as something more than a mere skit. The whole history of the philosopher's stone of machines and contrivances from obtaining perpetual motion and of circle-squaring is permeated with accounts of the most gross and obvious frauds. That ignorance played an important part in the conduct of many who have put forth schemes based upon these pretended solutions is no doubt true, but that a deliberate attempt at absolute fraud was the mainspring in many cases cannot be denied. Like Dousterswivel in the antiquary, many of the men who advocated these delusions may have had a sneaking suspicion that there might be some truth in the doctrines which they promulgated but most of them knew that their particular claims were groundless and that they were put forward for the purpose of deceiving some confiding patron from whom they expected either money or the credit of glory of having done that which had been hitherto considered impossible some of the questions here discussed have been called scientific impossibilities an epithet which many have considered entirely inapplicable to any problem on the ground that all things are possible to science, and in the view of the wonderful things that have been accomplished in the past, some of my readers may well ask, Who shall decide when doctors disagree? Perhaps the best answer to this question is that given by Ozanam, the old historian of these many other scientific puzzles,
1: he claimed that it was the business of the doctors of the suborn to discuss the pope to decide and of a mathematician to go straight to heaven in a perpendicular line in this connection
0: the words of de morgan have a deep significance alluding to the difficulty of preventing men of no authority from setting up false pretensions and the impossibility of destroying the assertions of fancy speculation
1: he says many an error of thought and learning has fallen before a gradual growth of thoughtful and learned opposition but such things as the quadrature of the circle etc are never put down and why because thought can influence thought but thought cannot influence self-conceit learning can annihilate learning but learning cannot annihilate ignorance a sword may cut through an iron bar, and the severed ends will not reunite. Let it go through the air, and the yielding substance is whole again in a moment. End of section 01.